I'm excited to start our new series for Advent called The Light. It's, uh, we're going to be looking at the beginning part of John's gospel as he talks about Jesus. So we'll, you can open up to John chapter 1 and I will pray. Father, thank you for your word and the blessing of Advent. Lord, help us to settle our hearts and to slow down and hear what you would have to say to us through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text today is John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is God's Word. Well, it's almost Christmas time, and we off, we're all thinking about gifts in one way or another, either the giving or the receiving. And I'm sure for the kids here, thinking about, man, what am I going to get? Um, the gifts are, they're not all gifts are made the same, right? They're not, all the, they're not all of the same quality. I mean, there's some gifts that just, wow, how did you know? But then there are some gifts that are like, what is that? I, I remember as a kid when, I mean, as kids, kids are pretty tuned in. You know all the new toys that are coming out. Uh, I remember getting this one set of toy. I, did, I, did, I didn't know what it was. And it was actually kind of creepy um, because it was these fuzzy spiders and you could, like, put your hand in it. And I was, I was like, I, you know, I don't really want to play with that. That's weird. Gifts can tell us about the thoughtfulness or the awareness of the one who gives us a gift. And as we enter into this Advent season, it's in thinking about who Jesus is that we can more appreciate the giver, the Father giving the Son to us. The title of today's message is The Call to Worship, because I really believe that's what John is inviting us into here in the opening of his gospel. He's inviting us to worship. And there are three points that I want to look at. Number one, the wonder of Jesus. Number two, the word is Jesus. And number three, the light of Jesus. The wonder of Jesus, the word is Jesus, the light of Jesus. The wonder. As Andy was mentioning earlier, there's so much stress involved in this season. I mean, there's figuring out, you know, who do I need to give gifts for or what parties am I going to? How am I going to finance all of that, stay in the budget, what have you? There's the grieving of lost loved ones, you know, as we approach the holidays and recognizing there's that someone or some ones that won't be at the table. Uh, we, we sit here in the sort of the middle of the bookends between Black Friday and Cyber Monday and wondering, did I get a good deal? Did I miss a good deal, right? Should I have bought it or should I have not bought that or whatever the case might be? But in the busyness of it all, of teaching classes and going to school and going to work and visiting relatives and all of that, when do we ever just stop and wonder at the beauty of Advent, 
Advent is the coming of our Lord. In fact, we could say there are two Advents, the coming of Christ 2,000 years ago and when he will return. John is offering us in this opening of his gospel a chance to wonder at Jesus. We, we, we have a capacity to wonder. I mean, if you've been following, you know, if you're a sports fan, uh, following, let's say, the World Cup, the, the wonder of how beautifully some of those athletes played the game of Messi or Neymar or Mbappe. Just when you see them perform, you're just like, ah, oh, how do they do that? Or whether it's music or the arts or when we go on vacation and you go somewhere where you the wonder of the food that you're eating or the sights that you're seeing, we have the capacity for wonder. Yet in this tech-driven, information-overloaded world that we live in, most of what we're doing is just, it's so quick. It's so transactional, right? It's, you know, for information, if you need it, I mean, in our case, whether it's to fix the headlights on my car or to put trim in our bathroom to try to put things back together, right? I don't have to go to school for that. I don't have to enter into a relationship and be an apprentice. I just go to YouTube. It's completely transactional. I don't even know who the person is that's telling me what I need to know. I don't even check their credentials. Do they know what they're talking about? I just get the info, and I go on my way, and then I do exactly what they say. It's completely transactional. It's completely consumer-oriented. But Advent provides for us Jesus, the Word, the Word in the beginning, the Word being with God. It provides for us something that's completely countercultural. It cuts against this transactional view of information and experience, and it draws us into wonder. It gives us truths, Advent does, Christianity does. It gives us truths that aren't, they're not immediately consumable. You know, if, uh, if you're, are you ever watching something on TV, you know, like, oh, what song is that? Oh, let me figure out what that song is, or Who's, you know, why, why is, uh, you know, this player, what, what makes this player so good? Who does he play for on his club team or, or whatever? Uh, you know, how, how much money does that athlete make? Or um, just random facts. We just quickly can, you know, plug in information and get results. But we have a faith that says it gives us information. You can't just consume and spit out or download and move on. It gives us something that we have to sit with. Here is Jesus, Jesus presented by God, John's gospel, both human and divine, both creator and part of the creation. John's gospel starts where none of the others do. If you think about it, we have fourfold account of Jesus' ministry, his birth, his life on earth, his suffering for our sins. Mark says that the gospel starts in the Old Testament. He quotes Isaiah and Micah. Matthew starts with the genealogy of Jesus and goes all the way back to Abraham and says the gospel starts here. Luke gives us the birth account, but when you get to the genealogy, it goes all the way back to Adam and says the gospel starts here. John says... 
Actually, before there was a beginning, the Son of God was, and that's where it all began. It calls us to wonder and to worship. Point number two, the word is Jesus. Do any of you remember the 1990s cartoon, Pinky and the Brain? It's about two lab rats who've been genetically altered. It's one named Pinky, the other named Brain, or The Brain. Brain is highly intelligent, self-centered, and scheming. Pinky is good-natured, but feeble-minded. Together, they're conquering the world. In one of the episodes, Pinky says, gee, Brain, what are we going to do tonight? Brain says, the same thing we do every night, try to take over the world. Culturally, we have these reference points for dynamic duos, or in this case, diabolical duos, trying to rule everything, whether it's Pinky and the Brain, Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine. Did anybody know that? I got a thumbs up. I got two thumbs up. I'm, l I'm learning. You know, I'm behind. I missed, a I, I, I was alive in the 80s, but I missed a lot of this stuff. So I'm catching up, but anyways, I had to do some searching for that answer. Or to go in a different direction, Romulus and Remus, who founded Rome. We, we, we have these concepts for dynamic duos or those that seek power. John gives us this contrast, the father and the son. He's giving us this super high view of Jesus Christ. It's what we would refer to as a high Christology. What do I mean by Christology? Christology is the study of theology that has to do with the person and work of Jesus. And John gives us something in detail that none of the other gospel writers gives us. You see, because as we think about Christmas, and it would be right to think this way, we think about nativities, or perhaps we recall what one of Will Ferrell's movie characters said, he prayed to baby Jesus. We remember Jesus as a baby. John says that's all true, but there's more. There's so much more. The Son of God is uncreated. Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. We go on later, we'll find out in verses 14 and following, it's talking about Jesus. It calls him the word. In the Greek, it's the word logos. And for John's listeners, those who were both Greek in origin and those who were Jewish in origin, it would have, bells would have been going off. Because in Greek philosophy, this whole idea of logos was this impersonal force that was in control of everything or behind everything. In Jewish philosophy, the Logos was God's wisdom that was present in the beginning. John sets a bomb off from the beginning and says, no, 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 it's something else altogether. It's the person. The, the, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was with the Father 
from the beginning. In the beginning, we see, you see in the, in, the, in the opening phrase, in the beginning was the word, it mimics and harks back to Genesis chapter 1. John is intentionally showing us that the Son of God, though he was born in a manger, was there from the beginning. And he goes on to say, and the word was with God, and the word was God, was and with. Co-equal with the Father, indistinguishable, yet distinct. That's the Son of God. He was with God, and he was God. Distinct in person indistinguishable in essence. For any Spanish speakers in the room, I, I decided I, I would look up what is the Spanish translation of this. And in el presentio existia el verbo. Existia, existed. In other words, when the beginning happened, he was, he was already in existence. Was and with. We piece together the theology of the Trinity. Not one person, but not three gods. One God, three persons. Jesus is the co-creator of the universe. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not, was not anything made that was made. Christianity... It, it, it invites us to hold in tension these truths that would not make sense otherwise. How is one who was born also one who created all? Jesus having two natures, being divine, being human. In his person, his divinity and his humanity, bridging the gap of the creator and the creation, his person tells us about his mission to be the great redeemer, the, make the great mediator. Have you ever noticed in Genesis it says that when God created, it says that he spoke it into creation. John is telling us that Jesus, he is the very word of God, the very wisdom of God that created all things, the agent of creation. Fully equal, indistinguishable, yet distinct. Have you ever just stopped and wondered at that? The mystery of our faith. The, the, uh, Christianity and Advent in particular in the incarnation puts a mystery right in the center of our faith. Not on the peripheral, the very center. The mystery of who Jesus is. Not something that you could just digest and consume and, oh, I got that, I understand it. But something that draws you in but doesn't let you fully capture mentally all of its meaning and essence. That brings us to the light. In the natural world, light is a key element for life to exist. I mean, if you think about the plant, photosynthesis, that's the process whereby plants, through sunlight and 
through carbon dioxide and water are able to create oxygen and energy. So, so we could say that because the sun exists, we can breathe. We have oxygen. Plants and what they're doing produce the oxygen for us to breathe. Light gives us life. In verses 4 and 5, Jesus, it said of him, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In the natural world, life makes way for oxygen to breathe. It provides food to eat as all of the processes we get rain and then sunlight and things grow. It provides ability to see. Jesus is the life, and his light is the light of humanity. How does that work? What does that mean? Well, in creation, we're holding intention, creation and redemption. In creation, Jesus is the light of men in that when you think about the breath of life that made humanity come alive, John is saying Jesus is the life force behind that. The Son of God is the life force behind that. Yet when we come to redemption, the process, what do I mean by redemption? The process of renewing creation corrupted by sin by purchasing, God purchasing his people through the blood of his own son, Jesus. He gives us the life of salvation. It says that the darkness has not overcome it. What does that mean? The, well, in creation, the darkness didn't overcome the light. It, 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 it's really amazing. I, I, uh, so I take special appreciation the fact that at night I can go out and see stars because for 16 years I could see nothing living in New York City. Um, barely saw the moon, actually, because the, the buildings. But anyways, it's amazing how thousands, whatever, millions, light years away, we get images in the sky every night, how powerful light is in the midst of darkness. But John is also saying that the enemy, the, the kingdom of darkness and the darkness of the hearts of men didn't overcome or fully comprehend the light that came. And so as C.S. Lewis says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. I believe, in this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun is risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. He could have easily just, he could have just as easily said this about Jesus. By him, by Jesus, the light of men, you can see everything else. He is the light. By him I see and you see. As the hymn, this hymn writer was blind, but now I see. Jesus enables you to see. The wonder of Jesus, he enables you to see true meaning in life. That you don't have to create meaning on your own, but that there is me the meaning of life is living for the one who created you and redeemed you. 
Jesus enables you to see in his life what suffering and pain are really about. Jesus enables you to see what the perspective, the true perspective of suffering and pain, as Scripture tells us, they are light and momentary compared to the glory that is to come. Jesus enables you to see death for what it really is, that it's not the end, but it is a passage for those who believe not an absence, but actually a presence with the one that created us. Jesus enables you to see what love is, that it is the self-sacrificial act of putting another person above yourself and dying to self to provide what's in the best interest for the other. Jesus enables you to see identity, not your performance. It's not in your performance so that you don't have to fear failure. But you can know that no matter what, succeed or fail, your identity is wrapped up in him. Jesus enables you to see true significance. That significance in this world is not, as the world says, being first or the highest. But true significance is in being faithful to God and being humble before men like he was. So, what does all this mean? In conclusion... As we enter this Advent season, are you weary from all of the hustle and bustle, from all of the, the deadlines and purchasing and consuming and digesting of information? John invites you, and I invite you, to develop a category for mystery in your life, the mystery of who God is, the mystery of the Son of God who is creator yet who comes down and takes on human flesh. Meditate on this mystery in this Advent season. Slow yourself down. Find a space in your life to meditate on the goodness of who he is. He is a baby born in a manger, but he is so much more. He's the Son of God, equal to God in essence, yet distinct from the Father in person. Spend this Advent season building up wonder that you, like the shepherds and the wise men, might come to worship him. On a practical level, something as simple as we have some family Advent uh, reading guides in the foyer. You could take one of those or... If it's downloading a plan on version, or all the, the million plans that are out there to walk through Scripture during this Advent season and take an intentional approach to cultivate the wonder of who He is. There's an invitation, there's a promise. The promise is as you seek Him, be confident in Him. And encouraged that his light will penetrate the darkness, even in your own heart. Such that through him, in this season of Advent, you will be able to see because of his light. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending the light 
Lord, in reading your word and thinking about your word, you give us answers to questions that we didn't realize we needed to be asking, that ultimately we need to be able to see. Our deepest need is to see, to see who you are and to allow the Son of God to illuminate our hearts. May we allow the light of Jesus Christ to permeate us, even as we go through the busyness and sometimes the drudgery of what the season offers for us. May we be refreshed by your word. In Jesus' name, amen.